0: Well, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6 today. It's in the Old Testament, one of the first uh, few books of the Bible. And uh, before we jump into that scripture, let me catch up on where we're at in this series. We're focusing on this idea of being overwhelmed and uh, this feeling of just, you know, sometimes I can get overwhelmed at work. Sometimes I get overwhelmed at home and relationships. I can be short on time. And we talked about last week how the Bible actually talks about a much deeper understanding of what it means to be overwhelmed. And last week, many of you came up to me after the service and just, uh, you know, echoed that back to me. And was like, you're, you're right. Like, that word resonated with me. That feeling resonated with me. I, I feel it. And the way the Bible talks about being overwhelmed, as we looked at last year, I mean, last year, I'm, my times are off today, uh, as we looked at last week, was this idea that it's not just A feeling, a one-time feeling, it can actually become part of our life. It can affect how we think. It can affect every attitude as this cycle of feeling overwhelmed plays out. We talked about how it first shows up in our life as we start to feel troubled, like something troubles our spirit. And then as we feel trouble, it leads us to feeling vulnerable, like we're out of control. We can't handle this. And then as we become vulnerable, it leads us to feeling helpless, like I can do nothing to change this. And once I feel that way, it leads me to feeling lost. And I literally can walk through this life lost, like no direction, no purpose, no understanding. I don't know what step to take next. I feel like every step I take is the wrong step. I start moving in any direction, and it seems like I should have got in the other line. You ever done that at Trader Joe's? I mean, like, there's the two lines, you're like, oh, this one only has this many people, and I get, and then all of a sudden, like, that one just, you're like, what happened? So you step over, and then what, you know, this one, like, you just can't ever seem to get in the right line. And sometimes that's the way our life plays out, is we start letting this feeling of being overwhelmed move from just being a feeling to the attitude of our life. And we end up walking through this life. Lost. And last week we talked about how that can happen in our current circumstances, right? Like, I mean, what is happening today in your life can overwhelm you. What you're dealing with in this moment, like whether it's something happening in your family, a, or just a time constraint, a financial constraint, something is happening in your life today and it can feel completely overwhelming. And we talked about when we let the thoughts and actions of others determine how we respond to that being overwhelmed, we end up being desperate. We'll do whatever we can. Or if we let our own emotions and this is where i struggle if i let my emotions of the day overwhelm me then i become stagnant i just stop i'm like okay i'm i'm safe right here i'm not going to take another step and we just kind of grow stagnant instead of actually leaning onto the character of god and becoming a person of dedication where we actually are dedicated to following god even through difficult circumstances and our key thought last week when we ended up was this. God isn't about creating comfortable circumstances for you, but instead he is about bringing you comfort in your circumstances. It's not that God is going to give you a bed of roses to walk through all the time. It's that He, as he, you walk through whatever you're walking through, his presence, his peace, and his grace are with you. This week, we're shifting away from looking at our present circumstances and how that overwhelms us, They're actually looking at what it feels like to be overwhelmed with our past experiences. I don't know about you, but I can look back in my life and see moments. They immediately come to my mind. When I wish if I had a time machine, I would go back and change something. Like when I was thinking about this and I was putting this together, there were two things. One kind of, it wasn't funny at the time, but if I could change one thing in my life dramatically, I can remember a day about 10 years ago that I would not eat at a Burger King. Because I went to eat at the Burger King. And I guess the food was all right, but I was not all right that night. Like, it was the worst stomach bug I had ever, like, for the next three days, I was not fun to be around. I mean, it was just, and, like, I can't even hardly walk by or smell a Burger King now without getting that sick feeling in my stomach again. Like, I would go back and be like, I'm not eating Burger King that day. You know, I would have... Started investing sooner if I knew now what I shouldn't have known as early. I'd start putting money away instead of putting money on credit cards. I'd have done a lot of different things. You can probably think of things in your life. There's things I regret. I I wish, I remember my grandmother went to a nursing home, and she didn't live too far from us, and we had young kids at the time. And uh, I was so busy in my life that I maybe got over to see her once a month. And I wish... As I look back on my life, I wish I would have spent more time going to see her in the last months of her life. Uh, There's things that I wish I could go back and change. I I remember in high school, a good friend of mine, I've told some of you this story, a good friend of mine named David, on our junior prom night, as we were leaving prom, his girlfriend broke up with him that night. It had been a tough year for him. And as we were walking out, David just said, Patrick, I can't take it anymore. I just want to end my life. And I said, David, we'll talk tomorrow. And I come home that night, and I find out in the morning that David had committed suicide that night. You Talk about regret. You talk about things I want to go back and change. Our lives are full of those. No matter what age you are, you look back and you see things in your past that you wish you could go back and change. How much time do we spend looking back at our past, thinking of what could have been, what should have been, We think of things that we should have said, people that we should have had in our lives, people that we should have kept out of our lives, different ways we should have reacted to several situations, outcome that we wish would have gone back and changed and come out a different way. And we end up thinking and focusing more on our past than we do on our present or our future. And we just keep looking back. And we become overwhelmed by what could have been instead of what could be. Paul says it this way in Philippians three thirteen through 14. He says, Brothers, I do not consider what I have made my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Paul dealt with this in his life, just like everybody. He's like, I've got to intentionally set aside the things I cannot change to impact the things that I can change. Had. But it is very easy to become overwhelmed with our past. And today we're going to look at a how this happens happens in Scripture in a story about a guy who gets overwhelmed by looking at what has happened in the past instead of seeing how what how God wanted to use him in the future. And the guy's name we're going to look at today is a guy named Gideon. And I don't know if you know much about Gideon. If you've uh, been in church, you probably heard different stories about Gideon and how he does amazing things and how he took 300 men and they crashed up some clay pots and screamed and basically defeated these entire armies and crazy things. I mean, amazing stories of Gideon, but that's not where Gideon's story starts. It actually starts in a very low place. But before we completely understand where he was, we kind of have to understand the story in the context of Gideon and what's happening here. So, give you a brief history of context. Joshua and Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. They came to the promised land. They got scared. They went wandering around the desert for 40 years. Finally, Joshua leads them to conquer the promised land that God had given them. And as they went in, uh, they were told to not make covenants with any of the people of the land. They were told to tear down the false uh, altars, the the altars to false gods that were there. And they did this to an extent. They did it little almost they didn't follow through all the way and in judges 2 1 through 2 it says this the angel of the lord went up to gilgal and bochum and he said i brought you up from egypt and brought you into the land that i swore to give to your fathers and i said i will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land and you shall break down their altars but you have not obeyed my voice what is this that you have done And so what happens here at a very young age, this nation of Israel begins this cycle of not quite obeying God. They they were disobedient. They would follow him to an extent, and then they would stop. And so they would disobey, and as they would disobey, it began this cycle of disobeying and then falling away from God, this cycle of what we call disobedience and deliverance. And so we see in the first few chapters of Judges, this cycle play out over and over again. Israel has a... Limited time of peace. And then it says in Judges 3, and then the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And as they did that, then the Mesopotamian army came in and conquered them. And then they were under their captive for eight years. What did the people do? They cried out for help. Once they cried out for help, God sent a deliverer. He sent a man named Oth- Othanel to come, one of the first judges in the Bible to come and rescue them. And he rescued them. And for 40 years they had peace. And then in Judges 3.12, it says this. And then the people of Israel did what, again, was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so this time, as they did evil, the Moabites come in and destroy them and capture them and lead them away into captivity. And they're in captivity for 18 years until they cry out to God for help. And again, God hears their cry, and he sends a deliverer named Ehud to come and deliver them. All right, twice you think, all right, they got this, right? They figured this out. Obey God. Don't do what's evil in the sight of the Lord, and things will go well. But you look on Judges 4. The people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. All right, this guy who delivered him, he died. They go right back to it. And so this time the Canaanites come in for 20 years. They capture them, take them into captivity. What do you think happens after 20 years? What do the people do? They cry out for help. What does God do? He hears them and sends a deliverer, and he sends Deborah to help. She prophesies of what they should do to overcome this, and and they overcome again and have a great period of peace. And we get to chapter six, and Josh and uh, Gideon, and what do you think has happened again? Deborah's gone. They've had a time of peace, and then what did they do? They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord once again. And this time, uh, another group comes in and takes them over, the Midianites. The Midianites come in and destroy them and are raiding their land. And for seven years, they're dealing with this. And what do they do after seven years? They call out for a deliverer. And this is where Gideon comes into the story. God has chosen Gideon to be the deliverer of Israel. But unlike the other three judges that we just saw in this story, Gideon was not too excited. When the angel, and we're going to see in the story, when the angel showed up, Gideon was not like, I'm ready to go, God. Put me out there. He's like, really, God? I know how this is going to play out. Like, I've seen this before, and I really, he was not excited about it. He felt overwhelmed because of the past that he knew and what was happening. He's like, why even do this, God? Why? Because the same thing's going to happen. And so what I want you to see is we're going to look, we're going to grab a few principles is Gideon was overwhelmed with past experiences. He was completely overwhelmed. All right. I believe this story is not in the Bible just to tell about how God delivered Israel once again. But it's here to also show us how God helped Gideon to overcome this challenge of feeling overwhelmed with the past. Gideon knew the cycle that had been playing out. Disobey, cry out, deliver. Disobey, cry out, deliver. And Gideon, Gideon needed delivered before he could become a deliverer of the nation and the people of Israel. Look at Judges 6:11 through 12, and we'll start reading here. It says this. Now the angel of the Lord and cat came and sat under a terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizorite, when his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor first thing I want you to see here is this. Gideon felt deserted because of his past experiences with defeat. Now, get the picture of what's happening here. This is not a man out in the field working the wheat like he's supposed to. It literally says he is turning the wheat, beating the wheat in a wine press. Right? This is not in the, in the wheat thrashing area. He's in a wine press. A wine press in those days was literally a hole in the ground where you could dump grapes and one person had enough room to step on them and press out the, the grape juice. And so what he was literally doing here, he was in a hole, hiding in a small hole, beating out just enough wheat for the day so that the Midianites wouldn't see him and overcome him and come and take his wheat away. He was hiding in a hole in the ground when this guy shows up and says, "O oh, mighty man of valor. All right, so, like, that sounds good until you understand what is going on. He's in the hole in the ground, grinding wheat, just hoping to get through the day, keeping his head down. He had given up on any hope of his future. Gideon was literally in a tight spot, just trying to get through the day. No hope for change. No hope for deliverance. No hope for God's presence to be experienced. He was just hiding from his enemies. And then when the angel shows up and says, Oh, mighty man of valor, can you imagine what Gideon might be thinking? What? You, you talking to me? I think Gideon was more surprised at what the angel said than the fact that the angel actually showed up. I mean, think he was just like, What did you just say? Mighty man of valor? Do you see I'm the one in the hole here hiding? I, I am no mighty man of valor. And the key thought i want you to catch from Gideon's life here is this Gideon had let the views of his past blind him to the present he was not excited that god had showed up in his life that moment he was like what me he had seen his past it stopped him from seeing his present so easy for us to get caught up in this in our lives as well how many times do you have to be defeated how many times you have to be abandoned or experience pain and suffering until you just give up and stop trying to move forward and just try to exist where you are, keep your head down, and hide in a hole. And just say, I'm not i I'm just going to hide here. It's too much. What I've experienced in the past, I can't do it in the future. This can be a strong temptation for us. We go through a divorce, our breakup, and we stop loving. We go through a death, and we stop connecting with other people. We go through a failure, and we stop trying. We lose our job, and we feel worthless and settle for less. We get hurt, and we refuse to heal. When this happens in our life, the past has won. And this is where Gideon was. This is where we find Gideon at the beginning of this story. And maybe it's where you find yourself in your life today, kind of in a hole. And be like, just let me make it through today. God, just give me enough. Let me push out enough wheat today in this small little hole to just make it through today. And then I'll do it again tomorrow and tomorrow. And I've lost hope for the future. So he felt deserted. Maybe you feel deserted. Look at verse 13 here, and we'll see what else he was feeling. And then Gideon said to the, to the angel and to the Lord, he's like, please. Like, I don't think this was a please. This was like a please. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Please, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Here's what we see here. Gideon felt demoralized because of his past expectations of God. Gideon didn't doubt that God existed, but he just doubted that God was on his side. Why? Why? This was the question was on Gideon's heart at this very moment. Why am I in this hole? God, if you're with me, why am I here? If God is with us, then why are the people of Israel defeated? If God is with me, then why am I experiencing so much difficulty, pain, and suffering in my life? Why God? Gideon had these expectations of God that he did not feel like God was living up to. He had heard these stories. He had heard these past triumphs of God, and he says, I don't see that. But even the good things that he could look back on, he says, they are missing from my life now. You did all this stuff for other people, but you aren't doing it for me and my people now. Gideon had this expectation that it was God's job to bless him and the nation of Israel no matter what, no matter what they did. Instead of the angels showing up and bringing Gideon joy, here's what happened. It turned into an opportunity for Gideon to air his grievances with God. To say, look, I'm glad you finally showed up because I've been thinking you're had one of those moments with your spouse. Like you've been maybe you've been at home all day and you've been at work all day and you're like, you know, something happened that morning. And you spend like all day like putting together these thoughts and arguments. Like when I see this person again, like I've got it all laid out for them. And you walk in and you're like, hey, how was your day? You know, I've got something to talk to you about. And it's just like, boom, you know, you just this is what Gideon did here. God showed up and he's like, you got some explaining to do. And here's the key thought. Gideon had let the attitudes of his past kill his confidence in God. Gideon had missed the fact that it wasn't God's unfaithfulness that had gotten him there. It was their unfaithfulness. Now, how often do we ask the same question of God? Why? Just like Gideon, we ask why often. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is not afraid to answer that question. God's not afraid of why. I'm grateful that he's willing to hear us out and to let us air our grievances, to vent when we need to, because through this process, this is how he points us back to the truth. And the truth is that while he wasn't the one responsible for the brokenness of our world or the brokenness of your life, he will be the one responsible for redeeming that brokenness and restoring our hearts and lives back to him. Even though he didn't break it, he'll fix it. Even though we are often the ones who walk away from God in our own lives, he's willing to restore us right back. Oftentimes, even though it's not by our own hand, but by the hand of others that we're experiencing defeat and difficulty, God says, you know what, I will take that, and I will make it good for you as well. I'll redeem it and restore it. That's the truth that Gideon was missing here. There are certainly situations that come into our lives that we are not responsible for. I don't want you to hear this morning that every difficulty that you face is your fault. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we make dumb, dumb decisions. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes our attitudes stink. And we get ourselves into a hole in the ground because of our own actions. Sometimes people lay a trap for us. Somebody, sometimes people set things in front of us intentionally and try to hurt us. Sometimes they do it unintentionally. All of these things, we can experience this brokenness. You know, it would be my guess that Gideon was not at the forefront of the disobedience of God in his day, but yet he was still paying the price for the decisions of others. Gideon's error and our error can be the same. It's when we ascribe the consequences of man's actions to the demonstrated character of God. When I find myself in a hole because of my actions or somebody else's actions, and I say, God, why did you put me here? That's what Gideon had done, saying, God, if you cared about me, you'd get me out of this. And God said, well, why did you put yourself there in the first place? Why did, you, why did you rebel? Why did you walk away? Gideon only saw God through his own expectations and understanding, and we are tempted to do the same. Look at verses 14 and 15. It says this. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian Uh, Do not I send you? For he said to him, this is Gideon talking to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The third thing we see here is this. Gideon felt dismayed because of his past experiences with himself. Gideon felt underqualified, now matched. He was the weakest of the weak. He was a nobody from nowhere. There wasn't greatness in him. Gideon had listened to what everybody else had said about him, and instead of what God was saying to him, he looked at his past, and the idea that he was even hiding in this hole, and saw a lack of ability that even God could not use. And here's the key thought: Gideon had let the actions of his past paralyze him to moving toward the future. He says, "I've never done this, or I couldn't do this. There's no way I can do it in the future." Whose words do you believe the most about yourself? Do you let the words and views of others carry more weight than the words and views of God in your life? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Your own reflection? Or do you see a reflection of, of a man or woman created in the image of God? We know ourselves better than anyone else. We know our shortcomings, our failures, our sins. We know everything. Yet God still knows us better and deeper than we can ever know ourselves. He formed you. He breathed life into you. He created you with hope and purpose. When we only view ourselves through our own lens or through the lens of others, it paralyzes us. We see what we can't do versus what God's calling us to do. And so Gideon was defeated before he ever got started. Before he ever got started, the views of his past had blinded him. The actions of his past had paralyzed him, and the attitudes of his past had killed his confidence in God, and he had literally turned his back on God. When, when you are facing in an opposite direction than when God wants you to do, you're blind. You're paralyzed, and, and in a, a way you're dead because you're not moving forward. You're moving backward. But God did not let Gideon stay there. That's the amazing part of this. He didn't leave Gideon just like that. And he didn't leave Israel like that. And he won't leave you overwhelmed like that either. I want to quickly close with this. How did Gideon overcome this? Gideon overcame his overwhelming past. How? I want you to see in verses. Uh, I'm not going to read all these. Judges 6:17 through 24. He basically asked God, he says, God, if this is you, if you're really from the Lord, would you give me a sign? And he goes in and cooks his bread and some water, and he brings it out, sets it on a stone, and with a touch of a finger, the, the angel of the Lord makes this stuff be consumed by fire. And immediately, he understands that this is a messenger of the true God. And here's what I want you to see. Gideon asked God to help him see again. Would you help me to actually see again? Would you let me stop being blinded by my past and let me see? Gideon needed hope. And God was willing to give him the ability to hope again, to believe again. God didn't change the circumstance. He didn't say, Gideon, I'm going to let you off the hook. You don't have to do anything. But he did show his presence. Overcoming our past experiences begins with asking God to allow us to see hope again. Would you ask God for that today? Would you ask him to open your eyes from the blindness of your dismay and let you see hope again? Let God's presence be more important to you than the circumstances that you face. Gideon asked to see again what you asked to see again. But then we see in verses 25 through 35 that uh, God then, after he says you're truly a messenger of God, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to run out, I'm going to do everything that you called me to do, God gives him a small task. And he says, go and tear down the idols and the altars of Baal that your father has built. Rebuild the altar of God and sacrifice a bull onto that. And so Gideon does that. He even does it in the middle of the night so nobody sees him. And then uh, he's like still a little timid. And then then the next morning everybody's like, who did this? Who did this? And Gideon's like, you can kind of see him backing up. And everybody's like, we think Gideon did it. And uh, eventually God protects him and God delivers him through this. And the people's heart began to change. And so what Gideon did here was this. Gideon asked God to help him walk again. He asked him Gideon took a baby step before he took a leap of faith. And sometimes in our life, we've been stuck in a hole so long that all we see is a leap of faith that God's calling us to take. And God says, why don't you take a baby step? Just get out of the hole. Just start following me again. Just start letting my word into your heart again. Just start praying again. Just follow step by step. Overcoming our past experience involves building trust again. It isn't that God was never worthy of our trust. It's just that we've been placing our faith in the wrong things. You know, it isn't that we need to ask God for more faith. It's that we actually need to place the faith we have in him. It's not God give me more so that I don't have to give up all this stuff that I'm trusting. Give me some more so I can trust you as well. God's saying, no, take whatever faith you have. And place it all on me. That's obedience. That's trust. When you put it all on one thing, trusting God. Would you trust God today? Would you ask Him to help you take a baby step today that might make you ready for a leap of faith tomorrow? The last thing, the last part of this story is in Judges six thirty six through forty, and it's just, uh, part of the the Popular part of this story is when, finally, Gideon's like, "Okay, I, you did this, but there's a big task ahead of me. I really need to know that you're with me." And so, Gideon takes this fleece and he lays it out on uh, where he actually should have been uh, threshing the the wheat on the wheat field. And he says, "God," uh, he makes a prayer first. He said, "God, I'm going to go to sleep. In the morning, if I wake up, uh, please make the fleece wet and the ground dry." And so. Gideon goes to bed, he wakes up, and guess what? The fleece is wet, but the ground is dry. And, like, that's pretty cool, but I want you to know that's explainable. Like, you know, that, the fleece can actually draw water, and the sun will come and dry the ground around it. So now Gideon's like, oh, you know what? Maybe that happened by accident. So I'm going to pray a different prayer. Like, God, today, tomorrow, I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to wake up, make the fleece completely dry, and the ground wet around it. And so he's basically saying, I just need to know you are, and you are really with me. And so Gideon goes to bed, he wakes up, and what happens the next day? The fleece is completely dry, and the ground is wet. And he knows God is with him. And this is Gideon basically asks God to help him to live again, to help him turn around, and to begin living life again, to follow him wholeheartedly. He needed to know that God wasn't just with him, but that God could and would do what Gideon couldn't. You know, it's, I think this is where we often fail. Because it's not that we don't believe that God's with me. We don't, I mean, we, we believe God's here. Maybe God is with me, but we don't always believe that God's going to do what I can't do. We don't see God beyond our own power. And that's what true life is. Overcoming our past experiences will mean that we need to experience the supernatural, life-giving work of God in our life. Too often we are told that following God and following Jesus is about doing things for God. Go to church, give money, read the Bible, pray, make sacrifices, all these things. am not saying those are bad things, but instead what getting learned and what we can learn is this, Following God is not about working for God, but allowing God to work through you. It's allowing God to work through you. And this only happens when we finally trust and surrender. And one of the hardest things for us to surrender in our lives is not our future, it's our past. One of the hardest things to give up is we constantly live with regret. We constantly look back, what if? I should have, I could have. And we stop thinking about the future because we won't surrender our past. My question for you today is this. Are you letting your past control your future? Are you letting your past overwhelm your future? Are you letting something that you have no control over influence what you have the most control over? Question is this. Would you ask God then for new life today, just like Gideon did? It's about a better, pers- it isn't about just having a better perspective on our past. It's instead having a new perspective on our future because we know that God has dealt with our past. That's what turning from sin and self is. Sin and self keeps us focused on the past. And God says, would you turn from that? And instead, would you trust me as Lord and Savior. That's surrender. Surrender my view for his view. My challenge for you today is this. It is so easy to walk out of here thinking today, you know, I need to have a better view of my past. I'll just, what I did then, what I dealt with, the failures, all that I've gone through, I'll just think better of it. That is not what this sermon is about. Remember what Paul said, forgetting what lies behind? Not just forgetting, but then striving for what lies ahead. Would you do that today? That only comes when we turn from ourself and trusting, and we trust Christ as Savior and Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?